Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to continue our series on the life of Joseph. We've called it the test because uh, God has a destiny for you. We, when, you we, when we look at Bible characters, we often think, well, it was just for them. No, God has a destiny, a preferred future, a ministry. He's got something for you. And oftentimes, till you, till you can step into that, you've got to go through some things that will mature you and help you and and, uh, and so that's what the life of Joseph is all about. He went through about 10 tests that he, that he passed. And here's our key verse. I'll get to Genesis 37 in just a minute. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So, so you're going to have your faith tested. I want you to get better at this. I, I want to do this in your life. I want to create this. I want to develop this. I want to mature this. The great thing about God's test is you never fail. You just have to take, you just have to keep taking them. You got to retake them. And so my hope, my plan is, my desire is that I give you some tools so you can get through these tests so that you don't have to stay longer than you need to stay or endure pain that you don't need to in pain, that we can move you along into your, to your destiny. What I love about this series as much as anything is that we're doing small groups or are connected to it. So so I teach on Sunday, and then our small group leaders, they receive an outline or a, a study guide in their, in their Dropbox, and they, they take that thing, and then you discuss it. And all you have to do is either watch the message live or, or go online after, and you can have input, and you can, you can talk about it. And so it's, if I met with my group on Tuesday. We had a, just a great time going deeper into the life of Joseph and the issue of pride. But I said that, I kind of got off faith. But the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance wants to finish a work in you. So that you may be, here's three things God wants in your life. He wants you to be mature. He wants you to know who you are, and who you are in Him, and, and what He's about. Here, Immature thinking is, the, the, here's immature thinking. When we get in a situation, and all we see is that situation. That, that we get so focused and so fixed on this one thing. And it causes this issue. Mature thinking is that we step back and try to see the bigger picture. That this one thing is isolated, but it's causing all things to work for my good. Because I know I'm called according to his purposes. We want to be mature. We want to be complete. That means we've dealt with past issues. And we've got rid of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and, and stuff that is hold us, holding us back. We've quit looking outside of our rearview mirror, and we're moving forward in the things of God, and then not lacking anything. Paul probably describes it best when he says, I know what it is to be in one. I know about it, what it is to, be, to have plenty. I've, I've been in every circumstance and every situation, and this is what I found out, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So God has this destiny for you, this purpose for you, this preferred future for you, and, and it's a journey. And and it's the, it, the destination, yes, is important, but even greater is the journey to get there. And all along the journey, there's these tests and there's these things that are helping you mature and become complete and getting you to a place where you don't lack anything. How many want to get to that place where, where you're mature in Christ, where you're moving along in your spiritual journey, where you're complete in Him, and, and, and you, you've come to a place where you've just been able to say, man, I can do all things. Throw it at me. Let's go. I got it because I can do all things through Christ. Who gives me strength? Today we're going to talk about the pit test. Genesis chapter 37. Soon after this, soon after what? Joseph had just told his dreams. You remember that last week? If you don't, 
go back, watch it online. He just told his brothers that they were going to bow down to him, that eventually they were going to, even like they were going to worship him. And, and it just ticked them off and made them mad. And soon after this, Joseph his bro, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob, the daddy of the boys, and Joseph said to Joseph, your brothers are, are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I'll send you to go to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside and said, what are you looking for? Joseph replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him, they've moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go down to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan, and he found them there. And when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. I'll, I'll address that in a minute. But they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into some pit. We can tell our father a wild animal is eating him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dream. Oh, he wants to dream? We'll throw him in a pit, let him dream there. But when Reuben, that's the oldest brother, heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he told the other brothers. Why should we shed blood? Let's just throw him into this empty pit, our cistern, here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without us laying a hand on him, and we won't have to shed innocent blood. Reuben was secretly planning to go back and rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. They, then they grabbed him and threw him into the pit. And now the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. But the second test that Joseph goes through is the pit test. And the pit is a dark place. It's a hard place. It's a challenging place. It's a, it's a difficult place. It's a place when you're in it, you don't know how you're going to get out of it. It's a place that you wonder, how did, how, how did I get here? And, and I'm never going to get out. Uh, as I was studying for this message, I came across the story of a, of a guy that was walking through a graveyard one night, and, and he was trying to shortcut, trying to get home quicker. And as he walked along, he accidentally slipped into an open grave. They dug a grave for the next day. They were going to have a funeral. And he fell in this pit, this grave. And uh, he tried everything he could to get out of it. I mean, it was late at night, pitch black dark. He jumped and jumped and couldn't get out. He jumped one time and barely had the edge of the... And then he just kind of slid back down. Just, just wore himself out trying to get out of that thing. Finally, after about 45 minutes, he just said, well, I'll just sit down. And I'll wait for tomorrow morning. They'll come out here, and I'll be able to get out of this pit. It wasn't long after he sat down. Another guy goes walking through the same graveyard and fell in the same grave or the same pit. And he, I mean, the guy's over there, he, he jumped and jumped, tried to get out. I mean, he gave it everything he had. For 45 minutes, he tried to get out of a pit, worked up a great big lather sweat. And finally, you know, he just shoulders kind of slumped. And when his shoulders slumped, the guy that was sitting in the corner finally stood up. And said, hey, buddy, I just want you to know you're never going to be able to get out of that pit, this pit. And with those words, he shot out of that grave like a, like a bullet out of a gun and ran all the way home. This is what I want you to know this morning. You can get out of any pit if you're properly motivated. And today I want to motivate you. If you're in a pit, here's the first thing you do. 
If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. That's right. Look inward. Look inward. When you're in the pit, the easiest thing to do is to blame others, to point fingers. And sometimes, here, here, you might be in a pit just because of the world you live in. We live in a sin-contaminated world. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have struggles. You will have hard times. That, that's just the world we live in. Sometimes you might find yourself in a pit because of other people's decisions, other people's actions towards you. But more often than not, we're in a pit because of what we've done, because of the decisions, the choices, the actions, the attitudes we've had. And when we find ourselves in the pit, the easy thing to do is to try to justify it, try to do the blame game, try to point fingers, try to redirect and get the attention off of us. Because we live in a blame-filled uh, culture. We, we live in a society that's victim-based, where you're always, you're always the victim, and you, you never, it's your mama's fault, it's your daddy's fault, it's the government's fault, it's always somebody else's fault. But if you're in a pit today, and you're going to be motivated to get out, the first thing you got to do is you got to look inward. And I don't want to be insensitive today, but I want to I help you maybe... Maybe you didn't get that promotion, not because your boss was unfair or unjust. Maybe it's because you lacked passion or you quit growing or you weren't meeting expectations. Maybe it was because of your work ethic and your attitude or your loyalty or your commitment. Maybe the reason you're in the financial pit is not because of a medical emergency or unforeseen downsides. Maybe it's because you refuse to live on a budget or live within your means or save properly or give generously. Are you in a pit today because of circumstances outside of your control? Or did your own doing create the pit and it was just a matter of time before you fell in it? Maybe your marriage is in a pit, not because your wife is unreasonable or unrealistic, not because your husband is married to his job. Maybe it's because you haven't put the time or the energy or the effort into the marriage that it deserves. Joseph was in a pit. And the easy thing to do, again, is to cast blame to point the finger, to redirect the focus. And I think, I I just think, I don't know, but I think Joseph, he began to wait. I mean, he's in the pit. All ten brothers hated him. If you got ten siblings and one of two of them you don't don't like you, I get it. But if all ten don't like you, it might not be the ten brothers. It might be something in your life. We do these small groups, and we do them semester-based, and I'm committed to them. Man, not because, not because I want to boost. You know why I'm committed to them? Because I believe that's the best place to grow spiritually. It's in community. And, and we do on and off ramps. So we do three semesters throughout the year. And the hope is that, that you'll join a group, that you'll stick with it, that you'll give it a chance. But if it doesn't work out, then after the semester, you can get out and try another group. Because we want you to do life with these groups. And, and if there's no commonality, if, they're just, if there's just person, you know, you don't want to be with a group for your life if you, don't, you know, if you don't get along. So we understand that. And so we have these on and off ramps. Somebody came to me the other day and they were like, I'm on my sixth small group. And I've just decided they don't work. They don't work for me. These people, that nobody's like me and nobody thinks like me. And, and I just can't be involved in the group. And I looked at them and I said, hey, one or two groups? Maybe six groups? I don't think the group is the problem. I think you're the problem. I said it in Jesus' name, of course, and, and I said it in love. 
But maybe you're the problem. Maybe you need to look inward and see what's going on in your life. Joseph, I, I mean, you got it. Joseph had to do some, some, some evaluating. He, he brought constantly, he was bringing a negative report to his dad about his brothers. They're not working hard. They're lazy. They're not, they, you ought to put me in charge. You, you ought to make me the overseer. He bragged about his dreams. Look, some, some dreams you just don't share. There's a, there's a season, there's a time, there's a place. Joseph flaunted his favorite position. How did they know that he was coming out to greet them from so far away? Because they saw the stinking coat. It was so bright and so bold. It was like a peacock. Here I come. I'm the man. I'm the favorite son. You're out here working, and I'm back with daddy because daddy loves me more than you. He, they, there were some, yes, his brothers were, were mean-spirited. I mean, they were, they were hate-filled hate men. I mean, who can throw a boy in a pit? Who was willing to kill him for, for whatever? Yes, it was there. Yes, it was their doing, but, but Joseph also had a part in it. Joseph, you know, Jacob said, Joseph, go check on your brothers. They didn't need checking on. That wasn't the point. Reuben was 45 years old. The other brothers were between 22 and 42. Those boys had been at it a long time. They were grown men. You know what Jacob was saying? Go out and see if your brothers, maybe you can connect. Maybe you can reconcile. Maybe you can heal. You know what theologians say? They say the reason that Joseph was at home and the brothers were out working is because there was so much conflict because of Joseph's pride and arrogance that Jacob had to separate them. If you're in a pit today, it's easy to blame. It's easy to point fingers. It's easy to redirect. It's harder to say, maybe I have something to do with this. Maybe my lack of action or my inaction, maybe my attitude, maybe, maybe, and, and I'm sure Joseph started with blaming and justifying and redirecting. Well, dad gave me the coat. I'm sure he's in that pit. Dad, you gave me the coat. You're the one that got me in the mess in this, got me into this mess in the first place. God, you gave me the dreams. If you didn't want me talking about them, why'd you even give them to me? I can't help it that I was born to my father in his old age. I I can't help it that I'm better than everybody else and I'm the man. I, that's, not, that's not me. I think, though, he sat there long enough and he paced back and forth long enough where he realized he was in a pickle and he started sitting down. And I think he thought, man, maybe there is something in me. Maybe there is an attitude that needs a readjusting. Maybe there is a character flaw that I need to get control of. Maybe there is something that God needs to do in my life. Here's how the psalmist said it. Different person, same idea. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Let me lay it bare before you, God. Let me open up my heart to you. I, no preconceived ideas. I'm not going to justify right now. I'm not going to pass the buck. I'm not going to blame. It's me and you, Lord. Search my heart. Search it. And, and God, will you see if there's any offensive way in it? Is there anything I've done, anything I've created, anything, my, whatever, that, that's, that's, not, that's made me in this pit? And then lead me in the way of everlasting. The Holy Spirit, when you begin to pray that, he'll begin to point some things out. He'll begin to convict you. Look, you can get out of any pit, but you've got to be properly motivated. And the first thing is you've got to look inward. And again, I say that with all the sensitivity as I can. Some of the problem, you know, I, I, I've said it before, but if I could kick the person in the rear end for all my problems, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. I, and you, some of you don't get that. That means I'm kicking myself all the time because I'm the one responsible for my problems. But we want to pass the buck. We want to, but here's the deal. When you say, search my heart, the Holy Spirit begins to pinpoint some stuff. 
But, but here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the fear. Or here's, the th- here's what you need to be aware of. When the Holy Spirit begins to convict, the enemy will come in right beside him and try to accuse. He'll try to condemn. And if you're going to get out of the pit, the second thing you have to do, as you're doing introspection, as you're saying, God, search my heart, you've got to reject the lies. Because the accuser of the brother, Satan himself, is going to try to attack you with lies. There is a difference between condemnation and conviction. And I want to illustrate it with this illustration. And, and uh, Kevin, will you come up? Kevin doesn't know. He, he's, he doesn't know about this. So if it goes bad or sour, it's not Kevin's fault. It's my fault. But, but there's a difference. You need to take off your glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a difference between condemnation and and conviction. And now, listen, I'm not God, obviously, everybody, yeah, I didn't even need to say that. I don't even know why I said that. But I'm kind of like pretending like I'm God for this illustration. And here, here's condemn, the difference between condemnation and conviction. You're in church, and, and, and Pastor Trevor says, hey, why don't you lift your hands and you go after God? And the, and the condemnation comes from the enemy. You just yelled at your kids. You can't worship God. Hey, Get them hands in your pocket. Don't. You have no right worshiping God. You know what that is? It's condemnation. Condemnation always distances. It always pushes you further and further away from God. Here, here, here's what conviction is. Hey, Kevin, I know you yelled at your kids. Remember, I was there. I'm not, I'm not present. But I love you just the same. And if you'll draw close, I'll, I'll heal that thing in your inner heart. I'll help you be a better parent. I, conviction always draws. Here, here's another thing. It's time to do devotions. You wake up in the morning. You got your Bible. You got your pen. You got a new plan. You got a notebook. You're ready to go. And you sit down and you hear the condemning, the condemning voice of Satan. And he said, oh, you, you decided to show up again? I haven't seen you in weeks. Well, what, what do you think you're going to do? What, you think now that you can just, oh, you've been doing your own thing for years and now you think you can start a quiet time? It distances. It always creates distance. Conviction. Thanks for showing up, Kevin. I'm so excited about it. It doesn't, even re- it doesn't even think about the past. I'm glad you're here. If you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw near to you. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Can I get one more illustration? Ministry. You feel like God's called you to do something? You know what condemnation does? It brings up your past. You can't do that. Your past, what you've done, you think anybody's going to listen to you? You think you got a voice? That's condemnation. Conviction. Hey, Kevin, I'm going to use your past, I'm going to redeem it, and I'm going to use it for my glory. What the devil meant for harm, I'm going to cause it to be good. It's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And there is a big, thank you, bro, there is a big, big difference. When the enemy, when God begins to convict you, the Holy Spirit will try to condemn you. And you've got to be able to listen and to discern discern his lies and listen to the truth, and he'll even bring up false evidence against. He'll even fabricate, fab, <laughs> fabricate. I, I struggle with that word. All three, sir. He'll even bring up stuff that that will cause you to think. He, here's what he did in, in Joseph's life. Then, and it's in our narrative, in our story. Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in blood, and they sent the beautiful rub, robe to their father with this message. Here's what they said. Listen to what they said. Look what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Now, that, that's the truth. That is their son's robe. That is Joseph's robe. But listen to what Jacob believed. 
Their father recognized it immediately, and he said, yes, it's my son's robe. And, and he implied, because he saw the evidence, that a wild animal must have eaten him. And Joseph has been torn to pieces. He was presented with false evidence and, and, and questions that, that, were le- that were very misleading. And he implied, or he bought into the lie that my son is dead. And he lived with the lie for 22 years. And, and for those 22 years, those evil brothers listened as their father cried himself to sleep and wouldn't come clean and wouldn't tell the truth. Your enemy is the same way. He wants to tell you a lie and then bring on, alongside it some false or fake evidence. Oh, 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 he wants to say, you can never stay married to your spouse. And then he'll try to bring on evidence. You guys, you guys fight all the time. You can't, you can't get along. You're so different. She wasn't your soulmate. You weren't supposed to marry her in the first place. And, and really the truth, maybe some of those lies are accurate. But it's, it's, it's evidence that Satan has tried to use against you to build into the lie that you need to divorce, that you need to leave, that you need to get out. And if you're going to get out of your pit, you, you can't believe the lies regardless of the evidence that's shown against you. you got to know the truth of God's word, that what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And God can give me grace in any situation. And he's changing me. And he's transforming me. And I'm going to work on this marriage. And I'm going to stay connected to this lady, this man. And I'm going to pursue God. And I'm going to go after God. And I'm going to pray to God with all my heart. And I'm believing that he's going to see me through this difficult and challenging situation. You, you, you can believe the lie, fall into the enemy, and bear the results. Or you can embrace the truth. Here's the biggest lie that you've messed up, that you're ruined beyond repair, that you've crossed the line, that it's too late for you, that your fate is sealed, that your destiny is ruined. Can I tell you your Bible is full of men and, and, and women, and it's all about restoration? David committed adultery and conspired to commit murder, and yet God called him a man after my own heart. Abraham passed his wife off as his sister because he was afraid of what these kings would do to him if they knew that he was his, she was his wife. And he didn't just do it one time, he did it two times. But yet God called him the father of faith. Noah trusted God so completely that he built an ark to, to rescue his family from the flood. But when the waters descended, he got so drunk that he didn't even recognize when his daughter came in, came in to sleep with him. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus, not once but three times. And later we find Peter preaching to a crowd where 3,000 people get saved. Paul hunted down believers in Christ to imprison or kill them. Yet God used him to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to write much of the New Testament. We believe the lie of the devil. Oh, you're done. You're defeated. You're written off. You've messed up too bad. That big sin you've done, it disqualifies you from ever being used to me again. Or that sin that you do over and over and over again, you've exhausted the mercy and the grace of God. You know what, you know what Isaiah said? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. And you know what he's saying? Oh, you, you, the Holy Spirit's pinpointed a sin. Turn from it. Recognize it. Allow the Lord to deal with it. Turn to the Lord. 
And here's what he'll do. Is, is there, did, he, did he give a category for sin? Did he say one sin is bigger than the other? Did he say if you do it too many times? There, there was none of that. He said if you recognize your sin, turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on you. And to our God, for he freely pardons. Listen to this. For my thoughts, this is God talking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways, your ways. Here, here's our thinking. When we sin, God's mad. God doesn't want anything to do with us. That's how we think. God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. He's not mad. He wants to love. He wants to forgive. He wants to pardon. We, we think we got to be filled with guilt and, and shame. That's not the heart of God. That's, that's not what he's after. We think, well, I need a period of time out. Man, I've blew it. I've sinned. And so before I can approach God, I've got to prove myself. I've got to sit in the corner. I've got to make sure I'm right. I've got to have devotion seven straight days. I can't miss a day of church for six months. I've got to prove myself so that I can go back after God. That's not how God thought, thinks. God's grace is inexhaustible. It, it, never, it never wears out. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. His heart is always open. There, there's nothing impossible for God. There's no sin too far gone. As long as you have breath, it's never too late for you to call out to Christ. And that's the third point. You're in a pit, and you want to get out? you got to be properly motivated. Look inward. Reject the lies and cry out to God. There's, that's the purpose of the pit, so that you'll humble yourself before him, and you'll say, God, i got to have help. I need your grace. It's the story of, remember the story of Jonah? Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel and he outright disobeyed. I mean, it was outright rebellion. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went the opposite way to Tarshish. And he gets on a boat. And they throw him off of the boat because of the storm. And he gets swallowed by a whale. And he's in the belly of that whale. And he cried out to the Lord because of his affliction. And he answered me. And, and I just want you to know, God doesn't just answer biblical characters. He'll answer you. If you'll cry out, he'll answer. I'll say it. If you'll cry out, he'll answer. Because that's his nature. That's what he does. And out of the bellow of Sheol, that, that word is pit. It's a Hebrew word for pit. I cried out, and you heard my voice. That, that's the purpose of the pit, that you'll cry out to Almighty God and say, God, I need your help. It's the story of the prodigal son. He found himself in a pig pen. You know what it was? It was a pig pit. And he found himself in the slop, and he finally came to his senses, and he cried out to God, maybe my father will have mercy on me. And as he began his trek back to the house, and when his father saw him from a distance, he didn't say, hey, go sit in time out. Hey, you got to prove yourself. Hey, you messed up. Wait, you were gone too long. There's no more. No, 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 no. Hey, let me embrace you. Let me give you grace. Because God answers the cries of his people. The most important question is not whether God can deliver you out of the pit. The question is whether you're going to call out to God while you're in the pit. And in humility, depend on him and allow his people to help you. Something happened to Joseph in that pit. You getting anything out of this? A couple of you are. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. Here, something happened when he was in the pit. I think he starts walking around, and he finally gets to a point, maybe I'm part of the problem. The Spirit of God began to convict him and draw the attention to his pride and his arrogance. And I think he began to pray, Lord, forgive me for that. Man, I, I don't want to die in pride and arrogance. You, your word says if I'll humble myself, that you oppose the proud but give grace to the humble. I want, I want humility. And as he's praying, 
The enemy's condemnation is suiting his way. Yeah, that pride, it killed you. You're done. Your dream's over. You're going to die in a pit at 17 years old. You're never going to see your father again. Your brothers have, have departed. Your God has forsaken you. You're done. You had to reject those lies. That's a lie. I don't believe that. God's grace is sufficient. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. He's compassionate and gracious. And then he began to cry out to God. God, would you get me out of this pit? I got myself in it. I'm, I'm part of the problem. I know I am, Lord. But would you help me? Would you deliver me? Would you rid me of the stuff in my heart? Would you, would you search my heart and get me through this so that I can fulfill my destiny and reach my potential and be what you want me to be? And something changed. When he started praying, something changed. Those brothers were gone. They were back doing their job. They were headed back to Jacob. They, they were back. They had left their brother in a pit. But when Joseph's crying out to the Lord, something changes these wicked, hard-hearted men. You say, well, it was just their goodness. No, it was the, it was, it was the, I believe it was the Holy Spirit. They turn around. Hey, let's don't let him die. Let's bring him. We'll just sell him to, here, here. We'll just sell him to some slave owners, some slave traders. A group of Midianites went by, and they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. You know what that did? That began to propel Joseph into his destiny. From there, he went to the palace, and they sold him to Potiphar, who was in charge of Egypt. And he became one of the most influential men in all of Egypt and really rescued millions from starvation. But here's how God does it. If you will, if you'll begin to look inward, if you will reject the lies, if you will cry out to God, what the enemy meant for harm, God is able to turn in for good and bring glory and honor to it in his great name. You know, Joseph is a type of Christ. It means that there's similarities. There's Old Testament characters that point to Jesus. Let me, let me point out a few, and you'll see it. Joseph was stripped of his robe of many colors. Jesus was stripped of his robe, and soldiers gambled for it. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver to the Miniites. They sold him to Pharaoh for a prophet, which was probably 10 more. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph betray was betrayed by Judah. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. The Midianite traders who brought Joseph to Egypt were carrying spice, balm, and myrrh. When the disciple Nicodemus went to embalm Jesus' body, he had spice, balm, and myrrh. Joseph was thrown into a pit, and then God delivered him out of the pit. Jesus was thrown in a grave for three days, but death couldn't hold him, and sin couldn't keep him, and the grave couldn't hold him, and he rose on the third day. Here's the only difference between Jesus and Joseph. Joseph deserved to be in the pit. Jesus did nothing wrong. Friend, here, here, here's the reality. You and I deserve to be in a pit. We, we deserve the, the wrath and the, and the justice of God. But Christ went to the pit for us, so we'd never have to go there. He spent three days in jail, so we wouldn't have to spend eternity in hell. Jesus did it willingly for me and for you, and God, so that God would not have to leave us in a pit. God rescued Joseph. God rescued Jesus. And if you will look inward, if you will, will reject the lies, and if you'll cry out to God, God will rescue you from your pit. He'll deliver you, and he'll cause the bad to be turned in for good, for his glory, for his purpose, and for his grace. Amen, everybody. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you that you're a deliverer. God, that you got a plan 
to do good things with us. You've got a plan to use our stories and to use our lives. Lord, you've got a plan to redeem us. You've got a plan to mature us, making us complete, not lacking anything. God, we don't want any character trait to keep us from our full potential, our destiny. We don't want to live our life in a, from pit to pit to pit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would search our hearts. Why don't you stand with me, will you? Will you just ask the Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. Just take a breath. Pause for a moment. We, we got a lot of time left. Not a lot. We got several minutes left. Holy Spirit, we don't want to rush through this. We want to respond to what you're saying. Ask the Lord this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What's in my life? What issue? What thing do you want to put your thumb on? What do you want to change? What needs adjusting? What needs realigning? Insecurity, fear, doubt, worry, pride, arrogance independence anger, lust Lord as you pointed out we, we refuse to listen to the lies of the enemy we want to experience your grace we want to experience your love today here's, here's how I want to end worship team's going to sing one last song. They're going to sing, oh, come to the altar. And, and we call this an altar because it's a place of sacrifice. It's a place of repentance. It's a place of, it's a place where you offer yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. And, and I just, I, it's a place where you cry out for more of it. They're going to sing, oh, come to the altar. And here, here's the, here's the verse. Are you hurting and broken within? Are you overwhelmed today? Are you, do you find yourself in a pit? Are, are, has the weight of your sin caused life to be challenging and difficult and hard? God's here. He wants to respond to you. He wants to help you. Maybe you're here because of your doing. Maybe it's outside of your doing. Maybe it's a sickness or a disease that you had nothing to do with. Maybe it's because of somebody else's sin against you. But whatever it is, if you're in a pit, you don't have to stay there. God can deliver you and he wants to do it this morning, if you'll look inward, if you'll reject the lies and cry out to God, He'll deliver you and set you free. Will, will you come this morning if that's you, if the Holy Spirit is directing, leading, speaking to your heart today?